to the Extraordinary Moms podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every week I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two moms mother in the same way. We should celebrate that and learn from one another. Thank you so much for being here today, and if you like what you hear, please share the show with a friend. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to episode number 31 of the Extraordinary Moms podcast. It's Jessica here, and I am so excited to bring you the last episode before I take a month-long break. I tend to give myself a break over the summer and around Christmas time, and while there will be one new episode coming out mid-month next month, the rest will be encore episodes where I will dig back up some really amazing episodes that I think you haven't heard yet. So thanks for allowing me that gift of taking some time off. But I want to tell you about today's guest. I hope you know how much intention I put behind each episode. I had previously recorded all my episodes for the summer. And as it happened, some of the content was kind of overlapping. And while it was all amazing and I will eventually air every episode that I've recorded already, I really felt strongly that this open slot I had at the end of July needed to be kept open for a reason and the right person would fall into my lap. And this could not be more true for my guest today, Allie Walker. Recently, I got a text message from a friend in a big text group, and she said, hey, my cousin has this really incredible story, and she's looking for a surrogate or a gestational carrier. And just give it a watch. And we all watched it, and we all thought, this is amazing. And my first thought was, get this girl on the show. Allie is a breast cancer survivor. She is a mom of three boys just like me. And they are now looking to grow their family via gestational carrier post all of these treatments that she's had. She is an incredible mom. She is a cancer warrior. And you are going to love hearing from Allie today. And if this piques anything in your mind to maybe considering gestational surrogacy and helping this family, consider it. Consider it. Let's get to it with Allie. All right. I'm so excited to be chatting with Allie Walker today. Hi, Allie. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Where am I speaking to you from? So I am actually in Mukilteo. It's a little bit north of Seattle in Washington State. Wonderful. Is that where you grew up or how did you end up in Washington? Yes. So I actually grew up like two minutes from where we live now. The only time I've lived outside of Washington is for school. We went to BYU-Idaho. I met my husband there. And then right after our first little boy was born, we moved back here, and we've been here ever since. That's so awesome. I'm from San Diego, and I went to school in San Diego for college, and so until I was 23 and got married, I never lived anywhere essentially but Southern California. And then since I've been married for the last 12 and a half years, we've moved nine times. So (laughs) I'm making up for lost time, Allie, but I'm I'm done. I'm done moving. (laughs) I don't blame you. San Diego is beautiful. It is. It's great. It's really nice. Well, Allie, I'm so excited. I just feel like this episode has been so meant to be your cousin. Well, you're married to my friend's cousin. And she sent out a video of you and your husband expressing a need that your family has. And I watched that video and I'm like, girl, get this girl on the podcast. (laughs) And something that you don't know is 
I am taking a break in August from the show, and I had one final episode I wanted to do, and I wanted to make it, like, really special, like, go out strong in July and then come back in September. And I'd had a couple episodes that I recorded that were fantastic, but they were all kind of similar in content, and so I'm like, ugh, I'm going to save some of those for September. Who, who can I have on? What's, what's going to be the magic one? And I was literally praying and praying because I really am mindful about the stories that I share and the people mm-hmm. that – my listeners want to hear from and and I don't always know why that is or you know where that inspiration comes from and that's when I got your video and the fact that you were available in a week's time frame and were able to put this together really quickly it just tells me how meant to be this is Allie so I'm really excited well thank you so much I feel like it was meant to be too actually I mean yeah, Great. we'll get more into it, I'm sure, but everything timing-wise happened really perfect. Oh. I'm so excited. I'm excited to be able to talk to you today and share this. Oh, well, and I Yeah, I too. feel the same way. Thank awesome. you so awesome. much. Well, Allie, for people that don't already know you, will you give a little background on yourself and your family, and then we'll dig deeper into your story? Yes. Um, so um, my name's Allie, like you said. Um, my husband's name is McKay. We've been married for about nine years. We have, we met at BYU Idaho. My husband, um, is from Boise and I'm from here, Seattle area. Um, we moved back here after college because my husband found a job here. Um, so our, we have three little boys. Our oldest son is named Jax. He's seven. He'll, he'll actually be eight this week. Then we have a five-year-old Jonah. And then we have a three-year-old cash. Awesome. Um, I have three boys Cash. too, Allie. You do? I do. I do. That's great. Yeah. Boys, boys are fun. Yeah. I love them every single time. It's funny. I don't know if you feel like this, but sometimes when people ask me about my kids and I, I say I have three boys there, they kind of, sometimes it's kind of like a, oh, really? Like, yes. feel sorry for me or something. And I'm like, no, I love it. Like. Boys are full of energy, but they are so sweet and sensitive. And yeah, I I love my boys. Yeah, so and much. I'm so glad my boys have each other too. Yeah, because I think yes. it almost be harder to have a solo boy on his own. Not that that can't also be a successful family, yeah. obviously. No. But I mean, the way yeah. that they play and their interests yeah. and stuff. Like, if that were all to fall on me to provide that interaction for them all day, yes. it would be a little bit harder on that me. Would. So it would be they hard. just they just are very physical and very loud and they very are. messy and but they're <laughs> very lovable no. and very tender as well. And I think that gets overlooked. Everyone, I wanted to hop in and thank one of our show sponsors before we go any further, and that is Vistaprint. Vistaprint has been saving my bacon with beautiful personalized stationery and products and business cards for years now. A couple years ago, I went to a conference, Allison's Brand School, and I realized the week before I didn't have any business cards. <laughs> I didn't think I needed them for podcasting. But I knew Vistaprint existed, so I hopped on the website. It's super easy to use. They have templates pre-made, or I could have uploaded my own if I was crafty like that, but I'm not. So I used one of their pre-made templates, and I added my graphic for my podcast. I put the website, I put my contact info, and I handed out probably 100 of those. And I cannot tell you how glad I was that I had them on hand. Vistaprint is so easy to use. You upload your own design or start with a 
professionally designed one. They offer simple tools and a wide range of templates. Pick the paper stock, style, quantity, and choose your delivery speed. You can order and receive them in as little as three days. Remember how I said I was a week out? Yeah, I needed them quick. Another thing I love is that your satisfaction is 100% guaranteed. So you can literally do it risk-free. They'll make it right either by reprinting your order or refunding, and they will always make sure you have the card that you want. Vistaprint wants you to be able to own the now in any situation, which is why our listeners will get 500 high-quality custom business cards starting at $9.99. Just go to vistaprint.com EMP. That's vistaprint.com EMP. Vistaprint.com slash EMP. And I've had to learn to, like, if they're wrestling on the floor, it's okay to just step over them. Mm -hmm. I think I've, that's given me a lot of rest as a mom to boys, just realizing that being physical is part of their development and I don't have to stop every single altercation that they have. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, boys are really fun. Absolutely. Yeah. One of my favorite parenting people, Ralphie Jacobs, she talks about how sibling rivalry is like such a great opportunity for them to work on problem solving and communication skills. And they're going to need to work it out somewhere. And so better in the walls of your own home with people that they love and trust than for the first time out on the playground or at school or things like that. Like it's a great learning setting. Yes. Mm -hmm. We actually just went to one of her workshops, so it's so funny that you say that, because I just felt like I was at a point in parenting where I'm like, hey, there's something I could be doing better, but I've exhausted sort of of everything that I know how to do, and yeah, Ralphie is so awesome. We learned a ton. She is. Yeah, and her workshops, I cannot recommend them enough. She's so fantastic. She is. So like most women and young mothers... Oftentimes we have this vision in our head of how our family is going to come together and what the composition will be and how our kids will come to us and all of this stuff. And I'm sure if you're like me, you're no different. So when you thought of growing your family, how many kids did you think you would have? How did you think that would unfold? And then can you kind of go into how things did unfold for you? (laughs) Sure. So I grew up, so I'm the oldest. Um, of six kids. I have three little brothers and then two little sisters. So I grew up in a big family and I loved it. And I think um, being the oldest girl, I grew up kind of as this mini mom. I, I loved when my mom had babies and I always wanted to help. And I just kind of always wanted to be a mom when I grew up. It was sort of the dream that was always in my head. So, um, McKay and I got married when I was 20 and right away I wanted to start a family. And it's funny because I remember walking around church and McKay, my husband, so supportive, but I think like a month into our marriage, he wasn't quite ready to (laughs) start a family. And so, um, about three months into our marriage, we started trying and I got pregnant right away with Jax. And then the next two kind of happened the same. I wanted my kids all a couple years apart and I kind of got pregnant almost immediately when I wanted to. I think Cash, our three-year-old, we waited like two months or one month or something. I remember I took a negative pregnancy test and I was super sad, but then the next month it was positive. And I just remember feeling, because I had these friends all around me, some had had the same experience 
as I did. It was easy, but some had such a hard time. And I just remember thinking really naively, like, I am so glad that this doesn't have to be my trial. That mm. I, I mean, I'm fine with any other trials. I just don't want to struggle getting pregnant. And I just remember thinking kind of like, this is easy for me. Like, this is something that's a blessing for me. It's not going to be hard. I can choose when I have babies. And I kind of pictured my life going like that. Mm. In my family, there's been a lot of breast cancer. And um, my mom found out she had breast cancer when she was, um, when I was 17. My mom was, I think she was 39, maybe 40. Anyways, I, so I was tested when I was 18 to see if I had a genetic mutation and it came back positive. And in fact, in our family, it's been a hundred percent. Everyone that's been tested has had this genetic mutation called BRCA2. Mm. And with, um, there's, there's different genetic mutations for breast cancer, but with BRCA2, you have a really high chance of getting breast cancer by the time I I can't even remember the statistics because it's been so long but by around like between like 40 to 50 it's like an 80 or higher percent chance that you'll get breast cancer can I stop you right there so when you get that information at 18 years old it's kind of like the crystal ball thing right it's like you're healthy and well and and like living life and and thinking that the world is your oyster and everything and then you get news like that that you know down the road at some point could very well impact you significantly but you're healthy and well now do you remember what you were thinking at that time and how did it shift or shape the way that you kind of viewed the future yeah so I was really I guess I'll start with my mom's diagnosis. I remember her telling us, and I was 17, so I I kind of, I remember her sitting on the fireplace. All of us kids had just gotten home from school. We were sitting on couches kind of around her, and she, my mom told us, and something that has been such a blessing in my life is that my mom is positive to a fault. <laughs> like, they could have given her four weeks to live and she would have found the silver lining and like that's that was just her attitude and I think her having that attitude completely shifted my whole outlook on my future and then my experience Mm. when I had it myself but she just said hey you guys I have something to tell you don't worry about it it's no big deal I have a little bit of cancer and I mean I think the word cancer is just kind of terrifying in itself Mm. I kind of went down to my room and I remember I'm I'm like an introvert when it comes to that kind of stuff I really have to process stuff by myself in a quiet place and that's what I did but then I mean that was really the only time that I remember feeling sad or scared and then the rest of the time, my mom made it super positive. She let me cut her hair. She was like, do any hairstyle you want. You, <laughs> you grab some scissors, do whatever you want to my hair. And I always wanted my mom's hair like in a bob. So I cut it and she just made it so fun. And my little sister was 11 months old, my youngest sister, Lacey. And my mom just let me kind of claim mom. She was sick in bed. I remember during chemo and 
she had surgeries and anyway so so that had been kind of my experience everything turned out fine she had chemo it like was over I never saw her cry or sad I think it was really like a faith building experience Mm -hmm. for my mom then she took me when I was 18 when she was done with all her treatments and which was probably the next year and we went and I had genetic testing and it came back and I remember my mom just saying hey Allie so guess what you have the bracket too (laughs) you get to have a you get to have a double mastectomy and it's like she just kind of made it like darn it like now we have to go through this but everything's going to be great so that I don't know it it sounds kind of silly but that was just I don't know if I was kind of naive or it was just kind of my normal so my aunt actually had gotten breast cancer and actually two of my aunts and um so cancer breast cancer at least was just kind of became my world I think different women who find that out that they have a genetic mutation they kind of have a plan and some people's plan doesn't include a double mastectomy and I think um you know, everybody's entitled to make their own decisions about that, of course, and what they feel right about. And, you know, but I have just always been really preventatively minded. And I knew before cancer hits me, I am going to get a double mastectomy. And if anyone doesn't know what that is, it's just you get all your breast tissue removed, and they just kind of replace it with implants or your own fat or anything other than your breast tissue they just take it out and then your um, chances of getting breast cancer after that decrease to almost that of a normal person mm-hmm. without the genetic mutation mm-hmm. and do you think if she had said let's explore your options you would have chosen something differently or was it kind of thought of like this is kind of what we all do because I think it really is important what you're saying like everyone has to explore their options and figure out what feels right for them and things but it sounds like you were kind of on board from the get-go it wasn't just something your mom said this is what you're doing no not at all when we got my results I went in and we we talked to an oncologist and a nutritionist and all these people and I just kind of always felt for me I'm gonna get a double mastectomy and it kind of helped a little bit too that I had always sort of hated my boobs and I was excited like really like I get to like choose my size and it just (laughs) wasn't I think the the saddest part um for me was just that I wouldn't be able to nurse after that but Mm -hmm. I just felt like okay I'll I'll do this when I'm done having kids and at that time they told me um the safe, well, I guess the most precautious time to do it would just be three years earlier than the youngest woman in my family had breast cancer. And at that time, um, my aunt Ashley, she was the youngest and she had gotten breast cancer at 33. So I felt like when I'm 30, maybe I'll be done having kids. Or if I'm not, I just won't, won't nurse the babies I have after that. But I'll get my mastectomy at 33, and the older I got, more into my 20s, I thought, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do it at 27, and I will 
for sure be safe if I do it by 27. Mm-hmm. That sounds very young and very preventative <laughs> to the lay person, for sure. Yeah, I it's, thought it was. Yeah. Okay, so that kind of leads us to the next step. Tell me what happened mm-hmm. next. So you're approaching yeah. what age? Yes, so I am um, 27, and I, so I, I guess I should say this too, kind of the, um, what they do when they find out that you're positive for a genetic mutation is they, they alternate between MRIs and mammograms, but you can't have them when you're pregnant or nursing, and so there were very few windows during my 20s when I wasn't pregnant and I wasn't nursing. So I had had an MRI right before I got pregnant with um, my son, Cash. And so um, it's kind of interesting, but when I was, I I have never um, really been an alarmist. Like I have, I'm not a big worrier. Like if there's something weird in my body or on my body, I don't really worry. I'm a really like, go with the flow type of person when it comes to that, even usually with my kids. Mm. But for some reason, when I was pregnant with cash, that changed. And I started being really, really sensitive to weird things. Like if, if there would be, I don't know, like, like something I felt under my skin or anything, I would um, like go to the walk-in and get it checked and everything sort of I remember this one time on my arm, like on my tricep kind of, I felt like this little bump and everything started to freak me out. And there was really no reason for it to, I just started to, to be really, really sensitive to my body and I never had before. So anyways, fast forward, Cash was born in May, 2016. And, um, when he was born, I was the same way. I got this headache after he was born, and it was really just from exhaustion and, you know, loss of blood and everything. But I was like, oh, no, I have a spinal headache. And I just remember kind of feeling weird. Like, I didn't know if it was hormonal or something to do with postpartum, like, anxiety, which I hadn't really pinpointed a lot in myself before it's totally possible but I just remember starting to feel really panicky about stuff then it kind of started to go away and um I nursed him and then when he was 11 months old I remember um this day it was a Sunday and I was sitting in his nursery I had this rocker and I was just nursing him and I um I finished and I stood up And it was like, I don't know, I like there was nothing that I was like feeling for. I don't remember like having clogged ducts really or anything like that. It was like an angel took my hand and placed it right where the tumor was. And I was done nursing him. And I remember I was standing and my hand just went right to the spot, like on my on my right breast. And I just felt this little lump. And about a month before, I had actually felt like this huge lump in my breast. And I remember kind of freaking out about it and like massaging it kind of like you would do to a clogged duct and it didn't really go away. And I called my mom really worried. Um, and like, it just ended up kind of going away. And that is how every experience had had been up until that point when I found something kind of 
that I didn't recognize on my body. I felt super panicky and just really, really unsettled about it. And you were 25 at this time? I was 27. Oh, okay. You were 27 at this time. Okay. Yeah. I was 27. But this time felt really, really different. I felt super sure that it was a lump, that I felt something. I felt like... I definitely needed to explore it. I needed to be adamant about figuring it out, but I felt very calm and just completely at peace. Hey guys, I know we are deep into it with Allie's story, but I did want to thank another sponsor that makes this show possible for you all to listen, and that is Wander Beauty. You guys, if you've been around for a while, you know I'm no fashion or beauty blogger, but when I find easy-to-use practical self-care beauty items that I love and that are so versatile and I know that you're going to love them too. I just want to share about them. Wander Beauty is not only sponsoring this podcast, but I have been loving all of their products because they are made for moms on the go. So many of their products do double duty. So for example, one of my favorite things, you're going to check them out at wanderbeauty.com, the On The Glow Blush. On one side, it's like a highlighter bronzer color. It's creamy blend. It's perfect. And then on the other side is a cream blush. It blends in beautifully and it is a twofer in one stick. So I can easily throw it in my bag, give myself a pick me up at the end of the day. And I am looking so much more refreshed. The other favorite I've been loving is the Wander Beauty Drift Away Cleanser that I'm using at the end of the day to take my makeup off. It smells like a spa. And it does such a good job taking off all my makeup. My face feels fresh and clean after, and I am loving that cleanser so much. Wander Beauty is dedicated to clean beauty and formulating everything with skin-loving ingredients. It's cruelty-free, mess-free, and stress-free. Get 20% off your purchase at wanderbeauty.com EMP. That's wanderbeauty.com EMP for 20% off. wanderbeauty.com EMP. And be sure to pick up my favorites. Thanks so much to Wander Beauty for sponsoring the show and for helping me feel so much more put together as a mom in the summertime. <laughs> Now let's get back to my conversation with Allie. One of the miracles that kind of happened around that time, and there were a ton of them, was that um, months before I found that, so pretty soon after I had given birth to Cash, I decided that I needed to get a mastectomy at 27. I was like, I just need to do it. I don't want to wait three years. Um, My mom's cancer was estrogen fed. And so I knew that getting pregnant and nursing and all those things, there would be an increase of estrogen. And I was like, I just need to do it at 27. And here in Seattle, we have um, this place called Seattle Cancer Care Alliance. And it's it's a really good place to go. Um, A lot of people travel from around the country to come to Seattle to go to this clinic. And I could not get in. No one would even talk to me. My surgeon wouldn't call me back. Oncologists wouldn't call me back. Um, Just uh, finally I got through and I could have an appointment like in six months. It was just like crazy. I could not get in. But as soon as I found the lump, I called. And the first time I called, I immediately got through to a nurse. And part of it was probably because I said, okay, like I found this lump. But before that, I like couldn't even get past a receptionist. Sometimes I just had to leave a message, but I immediately got in that week. 
And um, I think I actually got in for a um, an ultrasound the next day. My mom watched my kids. I remember go- driving to the ultrasound with my husband, and he um, he'd you know he was he'd heard about all the other things I had been worried about in months past, and I remember him just saying, "Allie, like this is nothing. Like I'm sh- sure this is nothing." And I just remember thinking like he can think that but I this is something I just kind of felt like okay like I need to like pull up my bootstraps and get ready because this is going to be something and sure enough we go in to the ultrasound and I laid on the table and I and the nurse was kind of or the ultrasound tech I guess was kind of quiet I think they're not really supposed to say anything until you know, like the attending doctor or something looks at it. But I just remember saying, do you see it? And on an, an ultrasound basically is just showing like solids and liquids. It's like black and white. And she goes, oh, yeah, I can see it. It's right here. And I, she goes, um, the concerning thing is that the edges aren't smooth. There's lots of things in people's breasts that are non-cancerous. There's like cysts and benign lumps and all these different things but um she said it had characteristics of cancer they said I we need you to come back in two hours and we're going to get you in for a biopsy today that I think that day was the hardest for me just like the unknown and it was all sort of hitting me at once because I I had really never experienced something like that where I felt so sure that it was something serious but I also had this piece but I but I still didn't totally know like I was hoping like okay maybe I feel this piece because it's really nothing Mm. but it was so we I so I have this favorite place in Seattle it's like where I would where I go when it's like sunny and I have nothing to do it's called U Village and it's like this really just little fun shopping district and I would go there when I was bored with my babies and just push them around in strollers and anyways that place is really close to Seattle Cancer Care Alliance and we didn't know what to do and my husband's like let's go there like let's distract you you can like pick out a candle anthropology like he was trying everything he could to just get my spirits up and I just remember we um we get there and I got out of my car and all I could see were the moms and the babies. I wasn't even really thinking about like like losing my hair or the chemo or any of that. I All I was thinking was my life is going to change forever. Like as far as getting pregnant. Like this is going to change things. And I remember seeing this mom with a stroller like holding her tiny baby and just thinking like I'm never going to be able to have that again ever like and we so we walked in there was this huge restoration hardware store there and we walked in and I just sat on the couch and just like cried and then after that we left and we went back and they did the biopsy and then um we went home and then the next day they called us in that was kind of the beginning of the peace I felt sort of throughout the whole thing. 
Wow. It doesn't seem you like peace goes with with a diagnosis like that. But it but I just love hearing stories like this because it shows what is possible when you when you have a belief that things can be okay. And even in the face of adversity and hard things, there can still be joy, there can still be hope. There can still there can still be really crappy hard stuff that you want to get rid of too, but it can all go together, yeah. right? And so people yes. receiving the exact same news sitting across the desk from your doctor can feel very yeah. differently about it, and you get to choose, right? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and yeah. so it's just so interesting that you were able to use the word peace, even though I'm sure there was a lot of scary stuff that you heard and uncertainty mm-hmm. and everything, but there was still a resounding piece. I think that's really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that I think is probably one of the most important lessons that I learned because I think it, at least for me, I, um, going through life, I kind of always had this like thought like, okay, as soon as I get here, like I'll be happy. Or as soon as like I have a baby, I'll be happy. Or happiness was always like a place of arrival and I sort of learned that it doesn't have to be like that like we can feel peace and joy and happiness through everything like even through really hard things and that's not to you know discredit things that are hard there like there were some really really hard moments but um life wasn't miserable and when I look back at that time it was really really full of light like that year isn't dark for me it was it was really really full of light and it was really faith building in there um I saw so much beauty that I don't think at least for me in the way I learned I couldn't have recognized any other way Mm. wow that's that is so so powerful And something that I hear a lot from women who are in a challenging situation, whether it's with a diagnosis and cancer treatments, whether it's a divorce, whether it's anything that is not of their choosing necessarily, that is bringing hard stuff upon themselves, their family, and their kids, there there could be a lot of guilt that you can't get out of bed in the morning because you're so sick and we would give anything to go just make your son's breakfast, but it's just just not possible today, right? So... I just want to touch on how did you get through those hardest days when it came to accepting your current season and being okay that you couldn't be all the things to all the people and letting go of any guilt that maybe you were prone to feel during that time? Yeah. I'm sure <laughs> That's it was hard. a good question. And yeah, that you, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. That was the hardest part for me. Um, and what I worried about the most just, how this would affect my kids. Cash was 11 months old and I had to stop nursing him immediately, just kind of cold turkey. And then um, the first step to my treatment was just surgery. They just did a double mastectomy. And that for me, I mean, um, was a really hard surgery. And especially because I never really had any real surgery before, except like having my wisdom teeth out. Mm -hmm. So it was hard. And I, um, I'm blessed that we have family around us to help. So there was a lot of help, but it hard watching my parents and my grandparents kind of take over the role that I loved so much, which was 
being a mom. I remember when I finally kind of felt good enough after surgery, we had this family dinner at my grandparents' house, but I didn't feel good enough to get up with my kids and especially get up with my 11 month old, like during the night and stuff. And my kids were kind of split up between my family and my 11 month old was staying with my aunt and he, she was like, okay, it's time to go. And she was taking him and he was just screaming. And I was like, I can't do this. Like he has to stay with me. And just the whole, yeah, the whole experience, especially the beginning was a struggle. I remember feeling like, okay, after surgery, I'll be fine. I don't care how sick I am with chemo. It can't be bad as bad as like my morning sickness when I was pregnant. And I mean, my, my morning sickness wasn't anything crazy. It was like normal morning sickness. Mm-hmm. And, but holy cow, chemo was way worse. And yeah, it was really hard. I have a good friend from church who lives right around the corner. And I remember, um, trying to just be really strong. I, I had had such a positive experience with my mom. I wanted my kids to have that. I didn't, I didn't want them to see me sad ever. I asked now looking back, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, I think it's good for kids to see like, yeah, adults have trials too. And we're sad sometimes too. Mm -hmm. And for them to be able to witness us coming out on the other side but at the beginning, I was I was really adamant about making everything happy and sunshiny, and I and I did feel peace about the situation. Like I never felt like I would die. I was really frustrated not being able to function as their mom, like I normally did. And I remember um, this one morning trying so hard. I think. I was kind of in the middle of chemo and I just felt awful and my son like wanted oatmeal and I was like basically crawling to the kitchen like and I I like was on the couch and I like had to take a break at our kitchen table and then I was trying to get to the kitchen just to make him oatmeal and our house is tiny like it it wasn't a big space but I was just really really weak my mom was checking in on me and saying, are you sure you don't want me to come get the kids? And she called me and she could tell I was like trying not to cry, but I was like, no, no, mom. And, um, she ended up asking one of my really good friends to take my kids because she thought I would be happier if it was kind of more like a play date Mm -hmm, for my mm -hmm. kids than another morning where grandma's picking you up because mom can't take care of you. And so my friend showed up at my door and I remember feeling so angry and just yelling at my mom and saying, mom, like I'm the mom. I don't need help. I don't want help. And my friend got to my door and she just hugged me and I just like couldn't stop crying. And I was so frustrated and, um, and I, I just felt like I was ruining my kid's life, which is it's so silly to to look back on that experience and feel like that, but yeah, there was so much guilt that mm. I um, that I couldn't be the mom. And um, after after my first surgery, I couldn't hold my baby for six weeks, and so his reliance on me really shifted during that time. He, I mean there was actually a long, long period of time when he wouldn't even come to me. He just wanted my husband. Mm. And that stuff was 
so hard. Um, yeah. But kind of as the year went on and the months went on, I, the treatments and what my abilities were and just realizing kind of like you said that I had the ability to choose. I could choose to make this a miserable experience for myself and feel guilty and unworthy and all these things the whole time or I could find the silver lining. It really sifted out for me kind of naturally what's important and what's not Mm -hmm. and keeping my kitchen perfect that became something that wasn't important like keeping my laundry pile folded not important and I spent so much time in my bed with my kids and a lot of times I couldn't even read to them so we just watched we watched Animal Planet like all the time (laughs) and it just became something that I accepted like that was motherhood for me at that point in my life at that season and it became something that was beautiful and that I accepted but um it came with a lot of guilt that I kind of had to get over Hey everyone, I wanted to thank one last show sponsor for today, and that is Grove Collaborative. I'm sure you've already heard of Grove by now, but it's an online marketplace that delivers all natural home, beauty, and personal care products directly to your door. Hello, it's made for mamas. Their aim is to make healthy living and healthy lifestyles easy and accessible for you and your family, and they are doing just that. I love that they have personally cultivated a place where all my favorite brands are one place and they've come out with so many new products of their own that are fantastic. My most recent order included the Grove Collaborative Natural Soy Candle and a lavender scent. I'm going to give wool dryer balls a try too. Grove just came out with some of those and I think that will be a fantastic replacement for my normal dryer sheets. And then I just picked up some hydrating hand sanitizer and I got a couple of those so that I can give them to the teachers at school. Since moving into my new home a few months ago, I have been so much more concerned with the type of products I bring in so that I'm not smearing toxins and chemicals all over my surfaces. And Grove takes the guesswork out of going green. With Grove, you don't have to shop in multiple stores or search endlessly. Head to grove.co to search for many of your favorite brands and Grove Collaborative's best products. Join the over half million families who trust Grove Collaborative already. Plus, shipping is fast and free on your first order. For a limited time, when my listeners go to grove.co slash EEP, you will get a free five-piece cleaning set for Mrs. Meyer and Grove, a $30 value. Woohoo! Go to grove.co slash EEP to get this exclusive offer. Grove.co slash EEP. Thank you so much to Grove for sponsoring the show and for making it being a little healthier and cleaner so much easier on moms like me. Now let's finish up my conversation with Allie. Thank you so much for sharing all that. That is such an intimate glimpse at a very hard time. It just goes to show like a lot of people might think, oh, cancer, so painful, so physically taxing, all that. But the emotional aspects need to be tended to just as much as Mm -hmm. the physical in, in a situation like that. So just for anybody listening who is feeling like they are not able to be whatever mom they think they want to be to their kids right now, just thinking like, what can I do right now based upon my yeah. current circumstances, what I am able to give, how how my love is able to be manifested to my kids. And you may not feel like it's enough, but I guarantee if your kids know that you love them and you're doing whatever you can 
that is enough and it won't always be exactly as it is right now if you're going through a really challenging season it will look different eventually and that guilt doesn't need to have a home in your heart it just doesn't that's taking up space and energy that can be better used healing or watching animal planet or cuddle it whatever it is like take that energy ball it up and replace it with something else yeah. today <laughs> do yeah. it now <laughs> do it now well, yes yeah and yeah. that's and that's okay yeah I think I had this kind of standard in my head of what it takes to be the perfect mom and first of all there's no perfect mom no. and there's I mean there's yeah there's no cookie cutter mom that every kid needs every kid needs something different and we we just do our best and I yeah. I really think that the Heavenly Father supplements for what we can't do. And I was really surprised to see, even though my kids were going from house to house with like their clothes in a suitcase and not knowing if they would see me that day or if they would, you know, only be with me for an hour that day. And there were days that I, I tried out, you know, being in my normal role doing what I would normally do and their grandma would have to come pick them up but honestly like they were fine like yeah they were fine they continued to progress at school they were still happy kids I um I think we underestimate kids resilience a lot yes. and, and also just what brings them happiness and makes them feel loved like they don't need to go to 10 parks and like to the library and to the zoo like in one day. They can they can sit in bed with you and watch TV for 2 hours if that's the season of your life and it's fine. Like yeah, you do fine. the best with what you can. It is. It is. Oh, I love that so so much. And now you get to live with that perspective for the rest of your life or you can you can seek after that perspective, right? Yes. And you keep yeah. coming back to yeah. that place. So what a gift. What yeah. a gift that and is to you. Mm-hmm. It's a work in progress. Oh, I mean, for I'm, sure. Y- you would think that after a year of going through that, I'd be like, it would come easy, but it still right. doesn't. I mean, I still have to remind myself, okay, what's the priority here? Like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and weed out things all the time, every Absolutely. single day. Well, I know that you mentioned from the get-go that one of your biggest concerns was being able to grow your family. And I'm sure there was definitely a time of grieving that came with realizing with the treatments you've been through, with the ongoing medications that you have to take, things like that. It was not going to be possible or healthy or safe for you to carry a child going forward. But that didn't stop you from wanting to grow your family. So I want to give you an opportunity to put out an all call (laughs) because you're looking to grow your family in a different way. And it's a topic we've covered um, with Kelsey Nixon and her sweet Mm sister-in-law, Betsy. Um, It's something that is a really tender, beautiful, miraculous way to be able to help somebody to grow their family. So this is the video that I saw. We're going to link to it over at ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com so anybody can go um, watch that sweet video. But will you tell me how are you looking to grow your family now? Yes. So before before my first surgery, I had this prompting. It, it was actually, if I could pinpoint the hardest day during everything or the hardest night, it was that night. It was the night before my surgery. 
And I, um, it kind of all hit me at once, not just like you have cancer, but like you are going to start chemo. Like it's probably going to kill your eggs. And it like having kids felt really impossible to me. Like I, um, I don't know anybody who has ever used a gestational carrier or a surrogate. So it wasn't something that was familiar to me at all. But that night I just had this prompting to research everything I could about surrogacy and adoption and IVF. And so I did, my husband was sleeping on the couch next to me. And I just remember staying up all night and researching all those things. And it was an important prompting because my surgery would reveal that my cancer, um, they thought that it was stage 1A, like the the tiny tumor that they saw was only one centimeter and they thought it was the only one, but I actually had all these satellite tumors around it um, and it had spread to four lymph nodes. So I was actually stage 3A. And um, so I would definitely need chemo, but after surgery, as you can imagine, I was on all these painkillers and not in a state at all where I would be able to read or research anything. And there was this teeny tiny window between surgery and chemo where if I started immediately, we could retrieve eggs from me and um, sperm from my husband and freeze these fertilized embryo or, you know, mm-hmm. embryos, mm-hmm. fertilized eggs. I like, I feel so blessed that I had that impression to do that because if I would have not done that I wouldn't have known I wouldn't have known to preserve our fertility because I would have been so out of it and not able to research and um anyway so I I didn't know that um we would kind of be guided towards surrogacy um I, I didn't really know why I just I just knew that we needed to preserve fertility so we did that um And then after chemo ended, and this was really out of character for me, but I actually felt really, really content. Like I wasn't baby hungry. I, um, I wasn't like craving a newborn. I had friends and family all around me having babies and, uh, um, actually like almost all little girls. And I love my boys, but I would love a little girl. And, um, nothing faced me like everything was fine I felt like our family isn't complete but it's not the time I kind of like had all that sort of in a box but at the beginning of this year I started kind of feeling like these promptings like it's it's time to think about it it's time to pray about it it's time to kind of open that door and um we'd had genetic testing on our embryos and so the clinic knew all the genders, and we, but we didn't. I didn't want to know. I, um, I didn't really want to pick the gender. I don't know why. I just, I, I think I was still clinging to like, is normal at least my definition of normal is possible. I just, I don't want to know. Um, my, my perspective on all that has kind of changed. Now I, I think this process is really beautiful and amazing and it's a miracle and I actually felt like that all during um like the egg retrieval I just remember thinking like this is a miracle I love that I get to be a part of this world that I would have never got to be a part of before mm-hmm. yeah it's kind of been a long process but through prayer and 
all these little miracles that have happened. I don't believe in coincidences. There's been a lot of things that have happened that have have led us down the road of surrogacy. And um, in May it was when we started really seriously seeking a gestational carrier. And it would be a gestational carrier since it's our, um, it's my eggs and my husband's sperm. So my best friend kind of who, who I grew up with had offered, um, since we found out I had cancer that she would carry a baby for me. So that was kind of always on my mind. And then as we went down that road recently, she has these cysts and can't do it. And there have been a couple other things that have kind of fallen through the cracks. And the more and more we've kind of gone down this road and widened our net, like from super close people to like family to like extended family, we have just felt like this, this is something that is going to take a lot of hands. And I've kind of transformed from this person who thought of motherhood as like, it's just me and my kids. And I kind of used to be more of like a territorial mom to a mom that truly believes like more people involved just creates more opportunity for blessings and miracles and learning and beauty. And that is kind of how I feel right now. So we're putting this out there. We made this video, which we prayed and thought a lot about and felt really good about. I just feel there's someone out there who we maybe we know I don't know but maybe we don't who who could bless our family and hopefully this experience could bless them too and I um I feel really hopeful um and like it's a beautiful opportunity that I don't know how will unfold but I'm excited to see how it does oh so so amazing so Go watch the video. At the very least, if you're listening to this, go to ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com. Watch the Walker's video. Just see what comes to your mind. It may not be you, but it may be somebody that you know that has pregnancies that are quote-unquote easy, if that's even possible, that (laughs) has carried babies before, that is healthy, and that would be interested in finding out more about helping Allie's Sweet Family to grow theirs. It is a beautiful gift that people can offer. And Betsy, who was Kelsey's um, gestational carrier, was her sister-in-law. And so that worked out beautifully that there was already that connection. But she said, you know, I did have reasonably easy um, pregnancies and stuff. And I never thought of it as like a spiritual gift or anything like that. Like I just took that for granted because she'd already had her several children and she was done. But when it came, when the opportunity came for her to use that gift for the benefit of Kelsey's family, I had to help them in this way. She's like, I was literally put here on this earth and this is one of the reasons that I'm here and, mm-hmm. and one of the reasons that I have this skills, unique skill set that I have. And yeah. um, it's just an amazing gift. So watch that video. Allie, I just want to thank you so much for coming on, for sharing your whole motherhood journey. We just wish you the very best in growing your family. We want to follow along. Where can people reach you um, and follow you online if they want to get in contact or learn more um, about your story? Um, so um, probably Instagram. 
Instagram, honestly, is the best is the best way to just follow along and get in contact with me. Um, my, I'm sure you'll link it maybe, but yeah. my Instagram username is just Allie Walker underscore. So perfect, really easy to remember, and I'm I'm pretty I'm usually kind of an open book on there. So, and that's a good, really good place to reach me too and follow along. Amazing. Oh, Allie, we just wish the very, very best for you. And already we've seen so many miracles in your life and things unfolding just as they were meant to be. And I don't doubt that that will continue in that manner. So all the love and prayers to your family as you go down this path. So exciting. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me. It was so fun to chat. My pleasure. Have a great day. You too. So if you have not already paused the podcast to go watch that video, I want you to head over to extraordinarymomspodcast.com. Check out this beautiful family. These are fantastic parents looking to bring another child into this world, to raise them with three loving brothers and just parents that want them here so badly, but they need somebody's help and maybe that's you (laughs) but no pressure or maybe it's someone you know go check out their video at extraordinarymomspodcast.com if there's anybody that you know that you think might be interested in being a gestational carrier for the walker family just putting it out there you can get in contact with me or you can reach out to Allie on instagram everything will be linked over on my website If you want more information, you can just start there. No pressure. But at the very least, will you pray for the sweet family that they'll be matched up with the right person who will be able to help them to bring another baby into this world. It is such a gift that we've been given to have modern medicine and everything and all these options for people that are desperate to grow their family. She has been a warrior through every season and chapter of her story so far. And I cannot wait to see what happens next. Don't hesitate to reach out if you just want more information. It doesn't have to go any further than that if you figure out that you're not a good fit. But if you want to get in touch with Allie, I'm happy to connect you. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at jessicadalquist3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. Like I said, I am taking the month of August off except for the, there will be one new episode the second week of August because I had already decided to do one that week. (laughs) And the rest of the time, I'll be airing some new episodes that you have maybe not heard if you're new around here. But thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today. Thanks for Allie for being on the show. And we will see everybody next week for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye.